Annie Coogan. Join Annie Ellis and myself as we co-host the Sustainable Living Show here on your community-supported radio station, WMNF Tampa. On Sustainable Living, we bring you conversations with local experts on sustainable topics. Please come share with us every Monday morning at 11 in our talks about alternative energy sources, organic gardening, farming, and everything in between. Sustainability is a balance of people, profit, and planet. Together, we will make a difference. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. In today's topic, we're going to explore the medical advantages and applications of cannabis. You are invited to participate in this discussion, or if you have any medical questions, by calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Good morning, Dr. Fred. Today, you want to talk to us about cannabis. Well, cannabis, I don't know much about it, but I did see the movie Reefer Madness at the Tampa Theater back in 1971. Getting ready for this show, I ran across a list of benefits of cannabis that's longer than a child's arm. For pain, anxiety, PTSD, epilepsy, loss of appetite, and other side effects, a chemo, irritable bowel syndrome. I'll stop there to spend a second to editorialize. It seems to me that cannabis is illegal in some cases and overly regulated in most cases, not because it's a drug, but because it's a drug that is not dispensed by pharmaceutical companies. Well, Dr. Harvey, what's the scoop on the medical applications of cannabis? Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Bill. And yes, I think your question is a good one regarding the reasons that cannabis might be so overly regulated in this nation. Could um, it be that obvious? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the um, I'm gonna. Uh, I think this is a pretty broad topic, and there's a lot to talk about. So I think that uh, we're gonna divide this into three weeks. Uh, I think there might be enough interest for that. And um, this week, we're going to talk about the history, the plant, the overview of what we're going to be talking about. Next week, I would like to look more about the endocannabinoid system, give some more detail on that. Uh, that system inside the body that actually responds to the chemicals in cannabis. And then the final week will be about medical cannabis, getting the card, uh, what kind of products, delivery systems, and how we can apply this better for people because there's so much to talk about. Sounds good. So today, cannabis, cannabis sativa is the name. And cannabis sativa is an ancient plant with its origin in the Himalayas. Um, <clears throat> it has been used for more than 10,000 years in human society. It's been used for fiber, hemp, makes the best nautical rope. It makes great clothing and uh, its oils are used medicinally, nutritionally, and have many different uses. It appeared 3,000 years ago in Chinese texts talking about its use. The Greeks used it, the Romans used it, the Egyptians used it, 
and the Muslims used it medicinally as well uh, for many years, um, at least 2000. King James actually ordered American colonists to grow a hundred plants each because it was such a valuable commodity for the expanding white supremacy empire of the, of the Britons. And they needed to have more rope to get their ships traveling around the world. So King James made sure of that. Um, in 1839, a doctor, William B. O'Shaughnessy, had been spending some time in India. And he returned from India with many, many recommendations for medicinal use. Queen Victoria was an avid user, apparently. And by 1900, there were greater than 2,000 cannabis preparations on the market from hundreds of different manufacturers. In 1906, the Pure Foods and Drug Act restricted its access. And by uh, 1937 was passed the uh, Marijuana Tax Act. Um, that was specifically designed to eliminate availability to the public because in 1937, they put a dollar per ounce tax on the medical and a hundred dollars per ounce tax on recreational use. No one could afford that because a hundred dollars in 37 is like $10,000 today. And so um, the <laughs> nascent uh, American Medical Association, of all things, actually was against this law restricting the uh, access to marijuana. Doctors were using it and recommending it. In 1938, they passed the Pure Food and Drug Pure Food Drug and Cosmetics Act, and I think this was um, uh, in in relation to the collusion that was already going on in our fascist government between pharma. And the, uh, um, and the oil companies and the government because uh, uh, J.D. Rockefeller and J. Paul Getty both had oil products. They made Vaseline and things like that. And they knew that, that they had to have a market for their uh, petrochemical, uh, 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 quotes, medicinals. Um, so they made sure that the federal government restricted access to natural medicinals so they could sell their poisons. And um, so... The 1938 Pure Food and Pure Food Drug and Cosmetics Act um, really elevated the, the restriction and it became almost impossible to get. And, and during that time, of course, they released the crazy propaganda movie called Reefer Madness that made it appear that anybody who smoked a joint went completely insane. And um, <clears throat> in uh, 1951, they passed the Boggs Act, which made it a narcotic. And then our... Um, friendly President Nixon in the 1969-1970 era knew that pot smokers were against the illegal and immoral war in Vietnam. We can't have people objecting to our uh, wars of uh, imperialism. So um, he started the war on drugs. And that to me is an equivalent to a war on humanity because people just want help from the distress that a fascist government causes them. And he was removing further access. And in 1970, they passed the Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act, which was the real war on drugs act. And it stopped research on any positive effects on, on cannabis. And they started looking only at negative effects. And um, in 1996, finally, California 
passed the Compassionate Care Act, which actually was it was not really an act. I believe that was the uh, uh, one of those uh, propositions. But at the same time, they knew it was passing. So the Senate in California passed the Senate Bill 420, which made it possible to regulate and access the cannabis. Um, because it's, I think it's 28 states now, possibly more, that have actually um, uh, begun to decriminalize. Uh, in Obama's administration in 2009, the Fed decided not to prosecute um, in states where it was legal. And in 2014, there was an end of federal prohibition, but that didn't change anything really because they really didn't actually allow um, recreational or even actually access. And, and even today, the companies that are doing it legally in states where it's legal can't really access the uh, uh, banking system because it's still um, unable to be so because it's still considered federally uh, a class one, which means it's a not available for public use. It's a banned substance that is toxic, uh, class one drug under the DEA. So it's it's just not available. We need to actually change that. So anybody who's listening today that wants to write to their local representative, uh, state senators, um, uh, uh, United States senators, uh, and and United States representatives to get this very valuable herb off of the schedule. They, they're thinking about dropping it to schedule two, which is puts it in the same place as um, um, uh, opiates uh, like uh, uh, oxycodone, oxycontin. It's ridiculous. Oxycontin can kill. Cannabis can't kill. It's not. There's no such thing as toxicity here in that in that way. Um, and we'll talk about that when we talk about how it works in the body a bit more. But the main thing is that it doesn't cause respiratory depression like the benzodiazepines and the uh, uh, opiate narcotics. It doesn't stop your breathing, which is how those two things kill. So <clears throat> looking at the plant itself, cannabis, there are two subspecies that are medical. Uh, they are known as sativa, which is a tall, thin, spindly plant and indica, which is a short, bushy plant. We also know that the uh, sativa um, can be hybridized into a very low THC, usually relatively high CBD. Those are two of the chemicals in the plant that we know, the THC, CBD, and the hemp that is sativa and grown for rope and fiber and clothing and things like that, that has very low THC. So it's actually legal to grow in many places where the psychoactive cannabis is not. Within the subspecies though, we are familiar um, with cultivars. Cultivars are strains. There are many different strains. There's lots of different names for them, like Durban poison and Northern lights and all kinds of different things. But the bottom line is, each one of these strains has varying potencies of psychoactivity, has varying flavors and effects um, due to the um, different uh, chemicals that are within the cannabis. I see that we don't have any calls yet, so let's talk about our station. Yes, absolutely. Um, it is kind of dark in here, and Clark is waiting for people to chime on in and share their thoughts and experiences and questions. And you can do that by calling 813-239-9663 
or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. And you can also text us at 813-433-0885. And I'd like to remind everybody that they are listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Clark's in the control room. Looking forward to your call. Back to you, Dr. Harvey. So um, as we're thinking about these different strains, we know that people have been hybriding, uh, yeah, hybridizing, breeding these plants for millennia. And they found uh, that they can actually change the uh, activities of the plant. And one of the things that's happened um, is that the potency has increased. Um, I was reading a study that suggested that back in the 70s, the average potency of um, street cannabis was 1.32% THC, which is very, very low, but it still had enough to be psychoactive. By 2009, they had been able to hybridize up to 8.5%, which is a pretty significant number. However, currently the average um, is running around 15%, um, and there are strains as high as 38% THC. That means that when you look at the flower, over a third of that flower is actually THC resin which is pretty amazing. This is not a natural state for the plant because they don't really need that for the protection. These, these uh, resins are for protecting the, the flower buds so they can actually get to seed. And so the extra THC is simply for our pleasure. And it's a really a unique way to grow the plant. So to be a little more specific about these things, the makeup of the plant is based in uh, these, these phytochemicals. And there are over 500 chemicals in the cannabis plant, many of which are psychoactive, many of which are not, but they have a lot of different functions. About 85 of these chemicals are what's called phytocannabinoids. Phyto meaning plant-derived, cannabinoid meaning a um, a molecule that comes from cannabis and, and we have named our internal system the endocannabinoid system because we recognized cannabis first. And then we found the receptors in our body that deal with it and the chemicals in our body that we make naturally that are associated with this um, um, psychoactivity. And so the phytocannabinoids um, are different from the ones that we make and interact with our body differently. The principal one there is THC. And THC is the most mentally active. It's associated with most of the effects that we know about smoking cannabis or eating it. And um, it is uh, um, a very uh, potent molecule in terms of being able to sedate, change our perception of pain, um, and uh, even in high doses could cause some hallucinosis. Um, CBD is the secondary one that we know the most about. Cannabidiol, uh, oh, THC is tetrahydrocannabinol and CBD is cannabidiol. And CBD has a different effect. In fact, it modulates the effect of THC. They work together. Um, And we'll talk about this a bit later, Um, but there is something called an entourage effect. And the entourage effect is many things combine there to uh, work with your system to make your uh, uh, body perceive these things. CBG and CBN are some other ones. Uh, 
And then we have 120 terpenes. And the terpenes are these aromatic compounds. 10 to 20% of the oils in hemp oil are these terpenes. Things like myrcene, which smells like mango and has a very activating feeling, um, kind of a, a calm activation. Eucalyptol, it's like from eucalyptus, has a minty uh, scent, caryophyllene, black peppery, and it actually works at the CB2 receptor peripherally and helps to reduce pain. Um, linalool is from lavender, limonene uh, smells like lemon, and pine all smells like pine. All of these have some effect but they aren't actually specific to any one strain. They have different modulating effects. We know that lavender is calming. Linalool is from lavender. So strains that have more linalool are more calming strains. And I think that we're going to leave the calm now and get into the fray. We have some callers. Yes, the fray it is. Um, I've got Robert from Palm Harbor and Patrice from Zephyr Hills and George from Seminole. So let's get Robert on the line here. Good morning, Robert. Yes, uh, how are you this morning? Great, how are you today? Oh, not too bad. Um, I have heard that um, a long-term use of it, I would say not so much uh, uh, medically, you know, like like it's prescribed, but just, you know, uh, it, it gives a psychosis to the brain after long-term use. And I guess as you've seen in um, Movies and things like Cheech and Chong, you know, they're they're just slowed down. Their their brain is just not uh, speech. Everything, uh, you know, there's always been the long term, uh, you know, pothead, and, and they just sound drugged up. So I don't know what your take is on that, but uh, psychosis it's not really good for the brain. To keep that's true, them. and actually, that's a very good point. Um, psychosis um, can occur in people that have certain genetic um, uh, problems with a couple of receptors. Um, the research is out showing there's a very small group of people that doesn't respond very well to the cannabinoids, the uh, phytocannabinoids, because their, their body just doesn't uh, respond the same way as other people's. And they can actually induce schizophrenia. It has happened. It's very rare. Um, but any, any um, uh, sedative um, chemical when used on a long-term basis can just keep you sedated. The interesting thing about um, cannabis though, is that for again, about 95 to 99% of people, it's not addictive. And the addiction has to do with um, the um, uh, nature again of these receptors and whether people actually respond um, uh, overly to this chemical. But so yes, it is a risk, but in general, um, most people do not have this problem. Most people will not develop psychosis with these uh, medications when used medically or even used recreationally. Um, but if you do a lot of it all day long, yes, you might be sort of dull because it does kind of put a blanket on the brain. Good point. Yeah, uh, because, you know, it's very easy to also obtain alcohol. And if people are doing... Um, you know, uh, marijuana, let's just say they make it recreational in Florida, which I think would take quite some time because of the politics, um, is that you're going to have people really out of their mind operating, you know, heavy machinery uh, cars. Robert, 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 let's get real about this. Yeah. We already have people out of their mind operating machinery because we have a, a psychotic uh, prescription mill that 
constantly puts people on antidepressants that aren't antidepressants. They're just chemicals that alter the brain chemistry. They're also probably taking benzodiazepines. They're probably taking um, other chronic pain medicines like seizure medicines, like gabapentin, and they're probably on opiates. When you look left and right, when you're driving down the street, it's likely the person next to you on either side has two or three medications on board because America consumes 55% of all pharmaceuticals and 70% of the opiates. Actually, when you use cannabis, it reduces opiate and benzodiazepine use and people actually get better. This is a functional, healthy tool and should be available for public use and should be promoted more to get people off the, um, so-called antidepressants and the pain pills and the so-called anxiolytics like benzodiazepines because this with therapy and good food and good exercise and good relationships will improve people better than those other chemical band-aids. Yep. Thank you, Robert, for your opinion. Okay, let's move on to Patrice in Zephyr Hills. Hey there, Patrice. Hey, hi, guys. Uh, hi, Dr. Harvey. Thank you. For good morning. Thank you. Good morning to you, too. Um, I'm very sensitive. I'm a half-hit wonder. I cannot do sativa. I go into that psychosis realm, or maybe I don't know the exact definition of that term. With that said, when you said some people can develop schizophrenia or psychosis, would that be long-term, or would that be uh, situational? Uh, that's a, uh, a a good point there. Yes. Um, the schizophrenia, people are genetically predisposed to that. So what happens with the use of cannabis is it might bring forth the disease that was already there. And Understood. so mm -hmm. that would be noticed. But then the anxiety and agitation and paranoia that comes from sativa in people that are sensitive to it goes away when you stop using the sativa. And okay. it would stop using any cannabis. And if you have that sensitivity, it's probably not a good idea to use the indica. Also, otherwise, um, CBD might be useful because it helps to um, uh, augment your own natural endocannabinoid system and calm you okay. and reduce inflammation. CBD is a wonderful thing, and it doesn't affect people the same way as the THC. Okay, excellent. Makes complete sense. Two more questions. Wonderful. If I may. I okay. that it that it could. I use it for sleep. It just a little half hit puts me in a state of well-being. I don't have a hangover. It's wonderful. Does it interrupt sleep in any way, shape, or form? Um, actually, um, yes, THC can disrupt your deeper sleep. Um, using it with CBD enhances that because CBD en enhances REM sleep. So <clears throat> if you're going to use a, a little hit of the THC, I would take a little bit of dropper of CBD with it or a gummy to help augment that. You can also buy Charlotte's Web CBD cannabis and smoke that, yeah. even blend it with your THC cannabis and get a one-to-one -one kind of ratio that really is about the best for sleep. One-to-one -one okay, ratio. Perfect. Makes sense. Thank you. And my final big kahuna question. <laughs> I, my RV is parked 40 feet from two giant electric substations in Zephyr Hills. And my head, when I sleep in my bed, is 25 feet from these thick overhead cables. I have a question for you. When are you moving your RV? Well, then I guess you're answering my question. Yes. And I was just wondering if, if, uh, if uh, marijuana could help with that or move my... Move. Move. 
You got to get away from that, that intense. Um, the, the EMF is, is, is short and long-term danger, more long-term because it, it eats away at your body over time. Okay. And, and, and marijuana in any way, shape or form <laughs> cannot. Well, so, so CBD will reduce the inflammation caused by it, but it's not going to prevent the damage. Get out of the toxin. You got to remove the okay. toxin. Thank you, Dr. Harvey. You're so welcome. Okay. I wanted to make a point about Robert, too. Um, there is no comparison from my perception between and, and in science between cannabis and alcohol. Alcohol is a poison. Alcohol dissolves your brain. Um, and cannabis helps prevent the dissolution of your brain. They actually work completely oppositely. Alcohol kills you and cannabis heals you. We have another call. Yes, we've had George has been waiting quite patiently. Welcome, George. How are you today? Hi, good morning, all. Uh, I, you've, uh, Doc, you've been talking about smoking and, eat, and eating um, marijuana, but I've been using a vapor, and I put the product in it, and I bake it, and I don't have to char my lungs out with the uh, yes. carbon, and um, it, I have a, a great effect. It tastes way better than smoking it. And, yes. Uh, and somebody also, just now at a plant place, I just pulled in, some guy works here. He said, you could take the leftovers that you've baked and there's still THC left in that and you can make brownies or whatever. Do you think there's anything left over in that after you've baked it at 320 degrees or whatever? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I like it because um, it is true. Um, but what happens is when you bake your um, cannabis in that um, uh, dry flour vaping device, you will actually decarboxylate it and make the THCA into THC and make it psychoactive. But you also make more CDN. And um, as you deplete the uh, THC, um, you are going to be left with more CBN. So when you do actually uh, bake with the leftovers, um, it's it's more of a sedative. It's it's highly highly it, that would be the stuff to do for sleep time, definitely. Okay. Um, so so is there so is there is there any left is there any is the product that's left over useful? It's for if you want to go to sleep, it's a sedative. It's it's very, very heavy. Um, so okay. if okay. you want a sleeping edible, you use the leftovers from your dry flower vape and, and make that oh, kind it. of an edible. I got it. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And uh, You're welcome, George. Don't forget to keep reminding people they don't have to smoke it, man. That's true. We're going to talk about that again on another show, too. I guarantee you. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye now. You're welcome. Yes. Debbie. Yes, let's go to Debbie here. How are you doing this morning, Debbie? Fine. Hi, Dr. Harvey. Um, quick question. I was diagnosed last fall with Crohn's disease, <clears throat> and my doctor, gastroenterologist, he, he wanted to bring down the inflation immediately, and he put me on a six-week regimen of budesonide. Yes. And it worked, um, but I just saw him last week for a follow-up appointment, and, you know, I've been having some distress, and he went, he lectured me about the inflammation, and he wanted to put me on Humira or one of those drugs, and I didn't want, I don't want to take one of those. They just have too many side effects, and they frighten me. And he got angry and basically dismissed me from the practice, and... So I'm asking you, I have to find another gastro doctor, but in the meantime, 
Is there anything that I can take to reduce the inflammation in my colon, curcumin, uh, high-grade fish oil, or even spirulina, something like that? So you have a inflammatory bowel disease. That is an autoimmune attack on the lining of your bowel. And um, high-dose fish oil has been shown to actually help uh, get you into remission. Uh, nine grams a day is what one study showed. So that would be, um, you know, 3,000 milligrams three times a day. And that is of the omegas, not the size of the pill. But remember, read the back label. And if the pill has, you know, 500 milligrams of EPA and DHA, that means you need to take six of those three times a day. Um, that's the kind of dosing that was in that study. And then another thing that we know about for inflammatory bowel disease is the specific carbohydrate diet that's available to look for online. Um, and it's very similar to also the SIBO specific diet, the SIBO specific diet. Both of those really um, help to reduce the uh, inflammation. Uh, CBD also in a dose of of um, 50 to 100 milligrams a day is also very calming for the gut. So those things would be things you could do until you get that gastroenterologist. And um, you may not need the Humira if you can uh, get your diet controlled and help that reduce the inflammation. Okay. So what was what carbohydrate diet is it? What's it called? Specific, specific carbohydrate diet or also the SIBO specific diet. Try either of those. And um, good luck, Debbie. And then 3,000 milligrams of high-grade fish oil. Three times a day. 3,000, three times a day, 9,000 total? 9,000 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids, not of fish oil, but of omega-3 oh, fatty acids. Fatty acids. So, wow. Yeah, so the EPA DHA has to be 9,000 milligrams a day, according to one study. Um, so those are the kind of things you can look at to do to help reduce that inflammation. Okay. Good luck with that, Debbie. Thank you. Bye. Okie dokie. I've got Gary on the line here. And at some point, I know you're going to want to address the emails, but Gary's been patient. Hey, Gary, how are you doing yes. today? Well, hello. Good morning. Um, I've been taking Pristique, which is an antidepressant, for about six, seven years now because my son's on heroin. And I was emotionally wrecked for a while. And I guess the um, Pristique, Prestige that I'm taking um, reduced, I mean, it kind of levels off the serotonin in your head. Um, should I continue? Should I um, maybe consider or think about taking a um, cannabis substance uh, instead of an antidepressant? Gary, um, I, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you need guidance when dealing with. Um, emotional problems and you're on a medication, which I would not suggest you stop suddenly. You need some guidance on that. So I would contact a practitioner who deals with medical cannabis and see if they can um, uh, help you with this issue. Most doctors consider medical cannabis an adjunct, that's an add-on to any other therapy. So I don't think you're going to find many people recommending you stop your prestique to use cannabis. Well, you okay. I, I definitely wouldn't stop at all without okay. something in a professional. But um, yes. do you think if I go to a regular doctor that he would um, know what to do? Well, unless your regular doctor is a, a, a cannabis recommending doctor, I don't think he will. I would go to a doctor who specializes in cannabis 
recommendations. Okay. 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 Bye. Very good. See you, Gary. So we do have a bunch of emails and um, reams of them. Yes, I'm looking at one here. Uh, they're asking about CBD gummies, um, uh, and they think that they are. Um, well, they heard on Shark Tank that CBD gummies are good for tinnitus. Um, so uh, uh, honestly, I have seen a lot of people with tinnitus. I have not heard that CBD gummies are good for tinnitus, but many things can help the ringing in the ear problem. And so I have no problem with you trying that and it is not prescription and you can find a good source um, online. Usually I would look for organic and full spectrum and um, ask for a certificate of analysis to prove that it's not polluted. Um, here is another one, um, smoking and smoking for the reefer. <laughs> it was nice to see the people's attitudes on reefer have changed in the past 20 years or so. I am pleased that recreational reefer is now legal in many states and maybe will be here to someday soon. I, I believe it will be. I think we're getting closer to that. Um, um, people are realizing that the medical has not turned this state into a reefer madness state as it has not in any other state. And so... Um, I think we're on our way to actually more rational use for more people. Um, you know, I think there would be a heck of a lot less liver disease if people would do a little cannabis instead of drinking their their um, light beers all day long. So um, here's another. Please discuss terpenes that are added to tinctures and other products, benefits, and possible allergenic effects. Um, so yes, uh, terpenes... Um, are a mixed bag. Uh, it is documented that terpenes can lower your allergy threshold. Um, one doctor showed that um, cannabis can increase your histamine levels. And so there are some people that do actually react to these chemicals um, in, in ways that we don't want. It will increase inflammation in some individuals. Mostly it goes down. So you have to pay attention to... Um, exactly how you are responding. And I think that's what we're going to find out. We're going to talk about terpenes uh, in more detail uh, as we talk about the mixes uh, of the different types of products that are available. And uh, here's a good question. Um, would you say that cannabis is addictive? It is not in general. There is a very small subset of people that have some receptor difficulties genetically that actually may produce some addictive type behavior. But in general, no, it's not addictive. And um, uh, most people can just walk away from it after having used it for a long period of time. Um, the um, uh, Here's a wonderful compliment. Thank you, um, Twinkle. Um, no one's calling because no one wants to interrupt the doctor. This is the greatest history synopsis I've ever heard, and I don't want to disrupt it with my questions. I need to go find this episode and tape it because we are very fortunate to have you. Thank you very much, Twinkle. We are very uh, fortunate to have you as well. Um, so please, yes, uh, uh, come back on the show next week with questions and call now if you'd like. Um, oh, this is a good one. What is my favorite strain? Well, um, I have several, um, and they're for different purposes. Um, but um, one of my favorite indica strains is called Northern Lights. Uh, unfortunately, we can't find that flower too often here in Florida, but it does come in uh, one of my 
uh, more preferred um, um, vape um, uh, devices or vape vape uh, places move. Uh, we'll talk about this AltMed move again, but they have a uh, very good way of extracting and keeping the terpenes natural and from hemp. Um, I think that's very good. Um, uh, and so I tend to go for more uh, indicas than sativas because I tend to be a more uh, type A uh, running on high energy person anyway. So calming me down is a better thing than revving me up. Uh, um, but so, yes, uh, and, and we'll talk about the uses of the indica and, and, and sativa next time as well. Um, and so another uh, uh, question is about, uh, can I comment on Delta-8 and Delta-9? Okay, these are forms of THC and they are derived from legal hemp and not from the controlled substance. And so they're available on the market. Um, we'll talk about those in more detail, but personally, I'm not um, um, uh, a fan of Delta-8. Um, I like the way Delta-9 feels in my body. And so, um, yes, we'll go into more detail on those uh, on uh, the two shows from now, I believe. Um, do we have anybody in the line? Yes, we do, actually. Randy's been quite patient for us. Um, he's in Arcadia. And I'd also like to remind people that they can listen to this show on the app at WMNF.org as well on the computer. And they can call 813-239-9663 or send the emails to DJ at WMNF.org. Hey there, Randy. Good morning. Good morning. Um. I have been diagnosed with uh, diabetic retinopathy, and I want to know if uh, smoking a doobie is going to help. And I'll take my answer on the air. Okay, Randy. Um, so retinopathy from diabetes is caused by vascular damage, and I think that um, smoking actually is bad for the blood vessels. I prefer dry flower vaping. Um, I totally agree with our previous caller. Um, you actually, when you burn the cannabis, the, the reason we have to heat up the cannabis is that we need to change THCA, which is not active, to THC. That's done through decarboxylation, and that happens when you heat something up over 320 degrees in this situation. And so, um, smoking will activate that THC. But um, vaping will also, and you can uh, get vapor devices that will dial in the temperature that you want so you don't burn the cannabis. When you do that, you get much better flavor from the terpenes. You do not get the ionized particulate that is the uh, uh, dark black stuff that, that damages tissues. And so you'll avoid some of the um, uh, damage to your lungs, hopefully avoid bronchitis and things like that, and have less damage to your blood vessels because the THC and CBD are helpful for um, all your inflammation, but you do want to get a blend, I think. If you're going to work on something like retinopathy or any other vascular inflammatory thing, you want to have CBD on board because CBD is the more uh, anti-inflammatory modulator, although THC has effect as well. So a good 50-50 one-to-one blend is probably a good idea. All right. So give it a try. You can also try vapes. One of my favorite ways to do vaping is with live rosin, um, which is a, um, a, a, a 
a gel or a a a a, a goo sort sort of that is is pressed out of the live plant um, after it's harvested, and um, so it doesn't have any of the carbon fiber of the plant bud. It's just the THC resin. It's usually about eighty percent THC and twenty percent terpenes and other hemp oil, and that is uh, smoked through a vapor device that heats up that. Uh, thick oil. And that's a really good way to deliver a very clean, very pure substance that has very good flavor and very uh, 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 good economy because you use less of it, essentially. Um, in one gram of the um, uh, uh, rosin, you're going to have the equivalent of probably uh, an ounce of cannabis. And you can stretch that rosin fairly far if you um, uh, are using it uh, in, in appropriate small doses. Okie dokie. Um, we've been getting quite a um, pleasant return on our announcements for the phone number, the, quite a um, audience participation in today's show. Wonderful. So there's obviously an interest, and I'd like to remind folks that they can actually go to our archives at WMNF.org to hear the whole show if they've missed any of it or if they want to pull on out some key points. And they can also, again, participate in the show by calling 813-239-9663 or continue to send in the emails at dj at wmnf.org. And we've got about 15 more minutes left in the show, so let's see what John from Newport Ritchie has to say. Good morning, John. Hi, good morning. Hey, John. How are you? Are you there, John? Hi, I'm here. How, how are you doing today? Doing great. What do you have for us? Hi, yeah, so I was just curious. Uh, I mean, I'm new to Florida. I've lived here for roughly uh, four years now. And um, my biggest concern is how uh, did we get to the point where we have a seasonal uh, red tide? How did we get to the point where we have a seasonal red tide? Correct. How, how did we get to this point? Well, it's it's been uh, uh, decades in development, and it's primarily because uh, we have different amounts of water in different seasons, and when we have the summer runoff, we tend to have a lot of uh, supply of fertilizers from our lawns and agriculture to feed the algae, the blue-green algae that feeds the uh, red algae or the red tide. So that's basically how that happens. Okay, and so... Uh I guess that makes it understandable on why uh, I hear on the, it's the seasonal aspect of it. But um, why is it, uh, why are we doing, it feels like we're doing so little for our uh, marine life um, if it's been going on for a while. Um, well, actually, what is, I think, John, I think this question is really for the next show, sustainable yeah, living. sustainable living would be um, a better. And if you have something about cannabis, I'll be glad to talk about it, but let's move on otherwise. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I must have the uh, the wrong show about the question. Uh, I misheard. But uh, I love cannabis. I, I'm a I'm a cannabis connoisseur myself. And uh, what about? I guess uh, if that my other question would be uh, if we're on this topic, um, our hemp industry. Um, why is it going to be exploding anytime soon? Uh, um. Actually, it already is. Um. Uh. 
there are, uh, what is it, 87, I think now, uh, True Leave locations. Uh, there's a new um, uh, dispensary on every corner <laughs> and they keep coming. Um, there are new companies moving in, buying up local companies. Yeah, this is flying. There, there's going to be um, many more hemp grows um, in Florida, I'm sure, um, as we start growing uh, more for fiber, uh, for clothing and for other things, because we're going to revitalize, I'm sure, the hemp industry to utilize that really renewable resource rather than, I mean, we can make better paper out of hemp fiber than out of trees. Let's not cut down the trees. So yeah, there's a lot going on here. Oh yes, uh, I believe in, I, and I believe in the, uh, the plan itself. There's so many uh, attributes for it. And um, so, in that aspect, when we go to fertilize and, um, you know, grow these plants, are we going to be experiencing more runoff for a red tide? Um, well, hopefully we won't be using too much fertilizer on them because I don't know how much they really need. But uh, honestly, great question. Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, it looks like I've got um, Patter on the line here. I hope I Hello, pronounced Patter. that right. Patter? Hello? Hello there. Oh, hi, Doc. Uh, actually, that's nice of whoever that was to uh, change my name from Peter to the Irish version of Peter. Hey, uh, it's good go. talking to you now, lad. Uh, <laughs> for sakes, it's lovely to speak to you as well. So, um, two questions, Doc. First, I'd like to thank you for doing this. I didn't know you were going to do this for the next three weeks, but thank you very, very much for, you know, helping to enlighten our community here. One Glad quick to. question. Uh, what do you think about uh, RSO for uh, skin issues? Um, um, you know, there's been a lot of study about that, and um, there's a little bit of, um, you know, it's it's not all on one page there. So, Rick, yes, an oil for like uh, skin cancer. That, that's a good question. Uh, so. The the um, uh, highly concentrated cannabis uh, does seem, and Rick Simpson oil, by the way, is highly concentrated cannabis cooked down into a, a very uh, 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 thick resin. Um, the uh, uh, issue I have is that we don't have, unfortunately, because our um, government has supported pharma and psychotically prevented us from actually looking at this, we don't know how much good clinical effect it has. And it seems that it does help to shift the equation when it comes to cancer. And it probably from a lot of different mechanisms, but um, I don't have any uh, 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 direct evidence as yet that it is a treatment for it, but I don't see any reason to um, not try it in addition to anything else you might use. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it was squashed uh, and they, they basically persecuted this guy for, for doing what he did. And uh, yes, uh, yes. Persecution uh, is the word persecution, not prosecution. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he never took a profit from any of this and he did it just for, you know, human, uh, you know, just out of the goodness of his own heart. And they basically uh, broke him and, uh, you know, ruined him financially. Anyway, um, another another thing that I mentioned to other people uh, is that, oh, I don't want to do that because I'll become addicted. I said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Doc. I said, no, it's physiologically impossible to become addicted to this because the molecules are, uh, they're unable to cross the blood-brain barrier. No, that's not true. THC gets into your brain or you wouldn't get a buzz. 
The reason it's not addictive is that it doesn't cause physiologic change. It doesn't make your body require it. Benzodiazepines set up a little process in your liver. Alcohol sets up a little process in your liver um, that makes you want more. If you don't get it, you go into withdrawal. Same thing goes for opiates. Your body gets used to having its receptors sedated. And if you pull that away, your body goes on fire and you start having diarrhea and vomiting and, and strange changes in your blood pressure. So Cannabis doesn't do this. It doesn't have these changes. It doesn't affect your deep um, uh, brainstem area. There's no THC receptors on your brainstem, so you don't cause these problems. Ah, so I've been dispensing bad information. Thank you for clearing that up. But yes, it, you're welcome. It certainly has. I've been able to cut back, you know, significantly my alcohol intake. Yes, sub substituting cannabis instead. And I saw a great T-shirt. It said, "No hangover." No calories, and that's all. <laughs> yep, I know that that's a brilliant T-shirt right there. You know, yes. So uh, so true. No calories, no hangover. So, um, all right. Well, so cannabis is not physiologically capable of uh, of addicting people. It's psychologically right. Psychologically habituating, not physically addicting. Right. I mean, you know, e eating uh, eating cinnamon could be addicted psychologically yeah. or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Doc. Thanks so much for your help and, and providing this great information to our community. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome, Peter. We're looking at about six more minutes of the show here. I've got Charlie on the line, and I know you've got a stack of emails you want to get to as well. So let's get Charlie and have his say today. Very good. Hello, Charlie. Good morning, Dr. Fred. Uh, just question. Um, I have... Uh, AFib, I'm taking uh, Pradaxa, Lisinopril, Cardavilio, Averstatin, and also I've got like uh, arthritic knee and ankles, and uh, one of my friends is going, you should try the gummies, the gummy bears, because that's going to help your uh, knee and ankles, but I just wondered how that might affect the AFib and what I'm doing. Hey, that is interesting. I think that you ought to consider not doing oral inhaled THC. Um, I think you should consider doing topical CBD on those joints. Um, start with that because that is not going to be psychoactive and it's not um, um, going to actually, we know that THC can give you palpitations and, and tachycardias. So since you have atrial fibrillation, I would avoid THC um, at the onset. And always, if you ever decide to use THC, modulate it with CBD because it reduces the intensity of the effect of the THC and you may then be able to tolerate it. But I wouldn't recommend adding THC since you have AFib. Gotcha. So the C C V C. uh, is that also like a, a ointment you can put on? CBD, yeah, you, you can get uh, over-the-counter CBD ointments all over the place. Um, one of the previous callers mentioned Cheech and Chong. Well, Tommy Chong has his own line. Um, it's a little pricey because he's branded it and named it, but otherwise, there's all kinds of stuff on the market. Um, okay. There's a, a, a company locally in Sarasota that makes it. So, uh, yeah, good luck. Find something not THC to see if okay. it'll help. Gotcha. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. It has gone quiet here, and I think it's time to address the folks that have been patient in the email world. I what agree. 
DeMarco sends um, a very, very uplifting email. He says that the uh, U.S. House of Representatives on Friday approved a bill to federally legalize marijuana for the second time in history, also adopting a pair of amendments to legislation before final passage. So it sounds like we're on our way to a better day here in the USA. Legal marijuana, please let the Senate pass it. Let Biden sign it. It's time. We need to give up this insane war on a legal herb. It is legal in my mind. It should never have been made illegal. Alcohol should be illegal because it's a poison that kills people daily. Daily it kills. So um, uh, someone asked again, here's another one. Would you be addressing the difference between legal poison tobacco products with additional addictive additives versus cannabis? Yes, of course. Here's another travesty. And we do have new information that tells us that the vape pens do not reduce addiction. Basically, you just trade in smoking tobacco for vaping tobacco. It's no different. Uh, RJR and, and Philip Morris and all these creepy companies have done a really good job of duping us out and taking away the smoke and still putting the crappy addictive um, uh, poisons in a pen for people to buy and, and vape on. It's horrible. That needs to be not restricted, but eliminated. There is no purpose for tobacco to be used recreationally. It is a Native American herbal to be used ceremonially only. When you call the great spirit keeper of the East, Wabin, every, every day and numerous times a day, you're asking for a heart attack. <laughs> it is not something Native Americans have ever done. They know to respect this weed. White people didn't know the nature of this plant and they're addicted to it. Please stop. So um, another question about Rick Simpson oil. Yes, I do. I will talk about this on the, the product show. I think it's really important. And um, I think that would be a good place to go. And next week, we'll talk about endocannabinoid system, how our body deals with this and what it's all about. Because this is a really exciting topic. And I'm so glad you all called in. Let's do it again next week. Absolutely. And I appreciate all the information that you've given on out today, Dr. Fred, and tell folks that they can actually go back to our archives to review this show and just immerse themselves in it. They can just go to WMNF.org and then go to the Healthy Steps radio show and hit the archives. And before we take on off, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Harvey, for the show and all of our listeners and Clark for handling the calls. She's the greatest. Y'all take care. Have a lovely day. You've been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming on out now is your five-minute NPR news brief, and then we'll present Sustainable Living, hosted by the finely honed team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Their guest today is Doug Alderson, here to discuss Florida Rivers and his book, Florida Rivers. Until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe. Stay thoughtful and know that you are loved.